0: Good morning. Hope, <clears throat> hope you're well this cold uh, December morning. This month, um, some one billion people around the world will, who identify themselves as Christian Uh, We'll celebrate the birth of Jesus. In addition to some of the songs that we've sung together this morning, um, many thousands will listen to some portion of uh, George Frederick Handel's great symphony, The Messiah. Uh, for, as many of you know, for over 200 years, uh, it's often th- that piece has often been a part of Christmas because it's recognized as having an exceptional uh, beauty and majesty. Handel, the composer of the symphony, uh, was a German musician who moved to England in his 20s and lived there much of his life. Uh, He was often the target of the London music critics because he spoke English poorly and he was thought to be eccentric and not particularly physically uh, attractive or handsome. In 1741, he experienced some major reversals in his career and he suffered a stroke uh, that left him partially paralyzed. Uh, His struggles were a deep personal crisis uh, that led him to turn uh, deeply to God. And then several weeks later, he began experiencing this irresistible impulse to begin uh, composing. And the result is the uh, music that we know of as the Messiah that's performed in symphony halls around the world uh, every Christmas. For 21 days, in his composition of the piece, he never left home. A friend uh, bought him f- brought him food that was often left uneaten. And his friend said that he routinely found Handel praying, weeping, or apparently peering off into heaven and then frantically writing the music that he was hearing. Handel later said of those 21 days, he said, I believe I saw all heaven open before me and the great God himself. Music critics for 250 years have said that the Messiah will remain one of the great achievements in the history of music composition because of its scope and because of the very brief period that it required to compose it. And when people tried to honor Handel for the symphony, he always said, it was of heaven, Uh, it was not of me, and he gave all the royalties which were substantial uh, to charity. The lyrics of the piece are from the Bible. They are uh, principally messianic prophecies from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, And also verses in the New Testament that describe the life of Jesus. And they include the words of Isaiah chapter 9, which say this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah says, The land will soon be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a light that will shine on all who live in a land where death casts its shadow. God will break the chains that bind his people. During Isaiah's life, most of the people of Israel weren't listening to god uh, very carefully and they were refusing to honor the covenant that god had made with them some several hundred years before and so isaiah says that their immediate future is therefore going to be difficult Uh, they are going to be humbled Uh, we know that happened because we can read in subsequent uh, biblical history that two nations about a 1,000 miles to the east invaded Israel, conquered the country, and exiled the people, scattered them out all across the Middle East. But Isaiah's vision, after describing the immediate future, shifts to the distant future, and he makes two remarkable statements. And this future was actually seven hundred years after the time of he was uh, writing these remarks. But he says Galilee makes makes four statements. He says Galilee will be filled with glory. People in darkness will see a great light. The light will shine on all who live in the place where death casts its shadow, and God will break the chains that bind his people, but then he makes the astonishing prediction that these things will occur through, of all things, a child who is coming. That's counterintuitive. We would certainly could easily agree. And he says in the following verses, he says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. His royal titles shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He will rule forever with fairness and justice. There's certainly some mystery in these verses. How often would we gonna read about a human being that could be characterized by these kinds of uh, descriptions? But Isaiah says the child, as we can read, will have four distinct titles or an identity that will distinguish him from any other child ever. First, he'll be a wonderful counselor. He will offer wise, life-changing counsel from above that will provide guidance and direction and illumination he says this light will dawn on galilee and then subsequently into other places second he will be mighty god now this is remarkable statement to make of course about any child to come he says in spite of outward appearances he will be unlike any other human being uh, he will have a divine identity, and this is said about no other person in the teaching of the Bible, or as far as I know, the teaching of any other religion on the earth. He says another identity or title will be eternal father. The child will be simultaneously an eternal father. He will be an eternally kind Loving, trustworthy, stable provider for his children. And then, fourth, he will be the Prince of Peace. He will be the supreme representative of a kingdom of of peace. He is a prince of a kingdom, and that kingdom is one of peace. He will offer peace. He will offer peace with God, offer peace with oneself, and peace in relationships. He will, without doubt, be a majestic individual. Of course, we rarely use the word majesty in everyday English uh, conversation. Today, the word is used almost exclusively to refer to a king, uh, as in his majesty, the king of England or king of Denmark or of some other uh, monarchy, monarchical society in the the world. The word describes a person holding an office of great dignity and magnificence. Now, the New Testament, of course, teaches us that this majestic child that Isaiah describes with these extraordinary titles this extraordinary identity was in fact this infant baby born in Bethlehem some two thousand years ago but despite his majesty his appearance was very very quiet and his identity wasn't recognized by very many people at the time of his birth. He was born in a quiet village. Uh, in today's terms, we would think that a, a person of such magnificence, of such majesty, would be born in a great city, Beijing, Shanghai, Singapore, London, Paris, New York. But in fact, he was born in a place like Huairo. This is a little village about 45 minutes north of here. Who would think that a person with this identity would show up in a place of obscurity like that? But the Bible tells us that's precisely what happened. His parents were peasants. Uh, they were not people of great education, wealth. Or political power, so God chose to place this infant with this identity in a family of exceptionally humble means and background. His appearance wasn't recognized by his own people, uh, but it was recognized by several strangers from some place about at least a thousand miles to the east who traveled this great distance. These people, these strangers, had been sufficiently in touch with the Spirit of God and with God's direction to have discovered that something extraordinary was happening and made, they went to great lengths and great effort to go and find this person. And we see that recorded in the New Testament. He wasn't uh, uh, widely known in his, own, uh, in his own life, only very briefly, toward the end of his life, th- did he gain much uh, visibility. When he returned to life from death, as was also prophesied, he didn't appear to those responsible for his death. You would think, gosh, what a vindication to show up alive to those who had collaborated and conspired to end his life, but instead he only appears quietly and to a few of his closest associates. The person he appears to was to an obscure woman who'd had a very hard life, Mary Magdalene, but who had genuinely believed in him and who had been a friend. Very different. But despite these humble beginnings, his greatness and his... Majesty has been slowly and progressively recognized across the earth over increasing centuries, and today the majestic identity of this person continues to be accepted by more and more people around the world. Where are you uh, looking for him listening uh, for him uh, this morning if you're looking for him uh, if you're listening for him he may show up in some very unexpected places uh, just like he did then and how he continues to do Uh, he may show up in the counsel and encouragement of one of your classmates uh, someone who is encouraging you to take a, this direction versus that, or get engaged in this group or this group of friends. Uh, he may appear in the warmth of a friend over breakfast, a good friendly companion, and which you enjoy spending time with, and who is a uh, wise person and is communicating some insight to you and the issues that you may be struggling with. He may show up in the need of, a, of a, the, the physical, spiritual, or emotional need of another person asking you to step out and meet that need. It's very creative in doing that. Um, there's a new book that's been published um, by Bill Hybels, who's a prominent evangelical leader in the world. It's called The Whispers of God, uh, hearing God and having the guts to act <laughs> on, the, on it. And I, we heard him, several of the staff heard him uh, several weeks ago in a meeting. He came to Beijing and, and met with a number of people, and we were invited and had the opportunity to go and hear. And um, often he, he has his means of breaking through and making himself clear to us. If we are listening, if we are perceptive and and desire to hear from him, and so he can do that, he will certainly show up uh, this month and in months to come as we seek his face and his majesty in the pages of the words that he has given us. But his most majestic, magnificent appearance was as a helpless infant in an obscure village in Israel when he became one of us and lived the life that he lived and died the the death that he died and came to life in the way that he did so that you and I could experience his grace and loving kindness and be eternally united to him as his people and that is the message of Christmas Uh, that is the majesty in the manger that we are trying to showcase this morning let's pray together lord uh, our lord in heaven uh, What a gift. I pray that we could recognize that gift. Um, We know that you often show up in unusual places. You speak to us sometimes uh, through uh, means that we don't initially recognize or are accustomed to listening to, but whatever ways... Whatever means that you may be speaking to each of us as individuals in that very personal way that you have, I pray that you would give each of us open hearts, open minds, and an available uh, spirit to receive that uh, word, to listen carefully, and to act on that. Uh, this Christmas season. And we pray in Jesus' name.